Let's just ask, Holy Spirit, I invite you this morning, would you move in our hearts? Um, we want to hear from you, and we're here to meet uh, with the living God. So Lord, we just invite you this morning. We want to meet with you. We want to meet with you uh, from your word. We love Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. I just got to say what's on everyone's mind. Isn't our new worship pastor fantastic? I know you're all thinking it, so we might as well just get it out there. I gotta move quickly. I've been, I've been had to relearn. I'm teaching in 25 minutes. Do you know how much I'm not saying on Sunday mornings nowadays? Well, this morning, I think I went like 28 or 29, so I gotta like dial it in. I gotta rein it in. Uh, this is what we're gonna do this morning. Uh, we've been covering uh, some of the letters, uh, the items of correspondence. Um, we, last week, our, uh, the message from Romans 8 was very much like a foundational gospel message. Uh, Jonathan Walker made this statement a couple of years ago that just resonated with me. He said, the gospel is a message that our hearts need to hear again and again and again. <clears throat> so that was last week. Well, uh, this week we're going to make a shift because the, the gospel is a message about what is true about us and about God and his love for us and our relationship with him. Uh, but then there is a lifelong process of learning to walk in the reality of what you've already been granted. You have been given as a gift. You have received it by faith, the perfect righteousness of Jesus, which has qualified you in your relationship with God. You can't improve upon it. You can't make it better. You can just accept it, right? But after being given the gift of righteousness is the lifelong process of learning to walk in that gift of righteousness. Uh, several years ago, uh, my kids got together and bought me sushi-making kit for my birthday. Anyone make sushi? It's delish. Some of you are making funny faces. No, it's delicious. A uh, little bamboo mat, you know, that you roll up. Anyone on board with this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I was given the gift. Now I got to learn how to use the gift, right? As the little rice clumpy things that you mash the little cubes of rice. It's so adorable. You've been given a gift. Now you learn to walk in it. You learn to utilize the full benefit and blessing of the gift that God has given you with his righteousness. So, what I'm going to offer you this morning uh, is we're going to jump into the book of James, James chapter 3. James is like the New Testament version of the Proverbs. The Proverbs is a wisdom for living. I love the Proverbs because they're, they're short, they're concise. It's one of the things that we do for family devotions is I will read a proverb to my children and then they will tell me what it means. It's a really fun exercise. So for example, like a man who grabs a dog by the ears is one who meddles in another person's business. Ooh, that's a good one, right? I actually heard one of my kids uh, the next day from downstairs yelling at his sibling, like a man who grabs a dog by the ears. <laughs> Apparently someone was getting into someone else's business. So James is, 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 uh, James is intent on helping us walk in the, righteous, the gift of righteousness, which takes some skill. It takes some understanding. And this morning, specifically, we're going to look at James 3, which is wisdom regarding your mouth. 
But I want to offer just a couple of parameters, or actually one significant parameter here, that when we talk about our mouths, we're talking about what we say. We must include in that what we write and what we post. Fair enough? It's all here. That's what we're talking about, right? So what I'm going to give you from uh, the new, uh, new covenant is four new proverbs regarding your mouth. Um, I'm going to share with you um, how uh, there's actually one part of this that I, uh, my, my understanding was significantly limited for a long time, even in reading this passage. Four new proverbs or pieces of wisdom regarding your mouth. You ready? James 3, beginning of verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. I would summarize it this way. I'm in worse trouble than many of you. Fair enough. But I would add to that, some of you are in worse trouble than me. <clears throat> James says, if you're going to take on the role of educating others, instructing others, specifically in regards to uh, spiritual matters or matters of truth, be careful. Um, because uh, you will be looked at with a greater scrutiny. Now, this is not actually intended to make us afraid. It's intended to make us more diligent students, right? Do you want to influence others? Do you want to influence your own children? Do you want to have an influence in the lives of others? Do you care about where the world is headed? Do those things concern you and you want to speak to those things? Good, you should. Also, if you're going to, you should know some stuff. You should get in the Word and read. But enough about that. Continuing on, he says, For we all stumble in many ways. This is verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone here stumble in many ways? Okay. Many? You want to share? Not now? Okay. We all stumble in many ways. Uh, we have, we have uh, endlessly, creatively come up with new ways to stumble. Is that fair enough? That's the human condition. And here it is. And this is, this is a, I'm actually going to spend a bulk of time unpacking this simple principle. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man and he's able to bridle the whole body as well. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's able to bridle the whole body. Um, so we're going to unpack this, but I want to I offer you a clarification. He's not saying that if you can pick up a 20-pound uh, speaker, then you could also pick up uh, a 20-pound turkey. That's not how these two things are related. What he is saying is that if you can take control of your mouth... That is actually the pathway to gaining victory in every other area of your life. And he's going to explain how. And this is where my misunderstanding comes into play. 
But before he explains how, he's going to offer you three uh, word pictures. Verse 3, if we put the bit into the horse's mouth so that it will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Anyone here ever ridden a horse? I've actually shared this before, but when I was uh, young living here, we went to horse camp uh, out in the hills. You go to horse camp, Steve? Wait, no? You remember. And as an eight-year-old, Joanne Edens would say to me, you've got to let the horse know who's in charge. And I thought, I think we both know who's in charge. I don't think the horse is confused, and I don't think I'm confused. The horse weighs 2,000 pounds. I weigh about 25. James says, you put the bit in the mouth, and from that location, you direct the behavior of the horse, right? So he's drawing a picture. You don't get it yet? Okay, here's the second picture. He says, look at a ship. Have you ever noticed that a ship is a very large thing? And yet a ship, being very large, is still directed by a very small rudder. And with that small rudder, the ship goes wherever the pilot wants to send it. Third picture. It says, verse 5, So also the tongue, even though it's a small part of the body, it boasts great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Do you remember this? Where was this? Cooper Landing, last summer. My family took a trip up to Anchorage, and you know where the road, you, you, right when you get to the mountains, and then the road turns to the right, and then kind of heads down to that first lake, right up there, mountains in front of us. Up on the left, there was one uh, stream of smoke coming out of the trees there. You could see it. We were in Anchorage for three days. We drove back down. You couldn't see anything. There was smoke everywhere. And then a couple of days later, apparently RVs were driving through hell in Cooper Landing. <laughs> what is James saying? It's, there's this very small thing that produces something very big and powerful. It's a very small thing that directs something much larger. If you can control your mouth, you can control your life. There's a cause and effect relationship. And this is where I was mistaken. I read this uh, as to say that if you can train your mouth not to say things that you regret, that's the, that's the whole story. But that's only half of the story. It's training your mouth not to say what you shouldn't say and training your mouth to say what you should say. That's the part that I struggle with. Getting my mouth to say words that it doesn't want to say. I thought if I just avoid saying things I regret, saying things that would be uh, rude or crude, then I'm good. I was very sensitive to this, even as a child. I remember pl 
playing with my brothers and some friends on the playground after church at CCC back in the 80s. We got in the car on the way home and I said to my mom, my brothers used a bad word on the playground. And she said, what bad word? You want me to say the bad word? That said they were going to kick this kid in the blank. She said, well, what did they say? They said they were going to kick him in the shins. I actually didn't know what shins were, but it sounded bad, right? I would never use that kind of language on the playground. <laughs> There's two versions of a lack of mouth control. There is reactive control, that is responding to things in a way that you keep your mouth under control. But then there is proactive control, getting yourself to say the things and speak the things that must be said, either for your own sake or for the sake of someone else. Remember, a ship's rudder is not just intended to help the ship avoid an iceberg. The ship's rudder is intended to get the ship to its destination, right? It's twofold. What I have found again and again is that the starting point of victory in overcoming just about any sin issue in your life that you struggle with is this. Getting yourself to tell the truth to someone about it. I don't want to do that. It's hard on my pride. I want to deal with my stuff quietly and secretly so that no one knows, so that I look better than I actually am, which apparently God is not nearly as invested in. The starting point of victory in overcoming is to speak the truth, to stop covering and start telling, to say difficult things like, I need help. Have you ever struggled to get those words to come out of your mouth? I'm actually always... You know, when a, when a young guy, particularly guys like in their 20s or 30s, comes to me and says, I need help, they're so embarrassed to even say that. And I am always so impressed because those are hard words to get your mouth to say. I am struggling. I am not okay I was not honest. I need prayer. I'm being tempted. For some of you here this morning, the next step of growth towards walking in freedom and the gift of righteousness is simply this, getting your mouth to say what needs to be said. And James says, if you can get your mouth to do what you know your mouth needs to do, what follows that is the capacity to get everything else to do what it's supposed to do. I've been reading this book recently, The Cure. Anyone? Anyone? 
No one. All right. Well, I'm enjoying it. The author says in this book that on the path to maturity, we must learn the capacity to confess what is in our hearts before we act on it. Learn to confess sin we intend to commit before we commit it. We think of confession as after the fact. I screwed up. He says, real maturity is recognizing the temptation, recognizing the weakness of my own heart, and developing the capacity to confess it before it defines my life. Right? Getting my mouth to say what needs to be said. Control of my mouth is control of my life. That's number two. Number three, my tongue can torch my future. Verse six. I actually love the, the language of this verse. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Whew. That's a spicy mouth. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. So understand here, he's talking collectively, not individually, because he just told us individually that we must gain control of our mouths. What he's saying here is that the human race has tamed everything else, but the human race collectively has never succeeded at taming the deadly poison and restless evil of the tongue. Can we look around the world and say, yeah, it seems like it's still going pretty strong. The restless evil of the tongue still seems to be out there. The deadly poison of the tongue is still at work today. And James says, the tongue has the capacity to set on fire the course of our life. Just really quickly, a couple ways that that happens. It drives a wedge in a relationship. Things that have been said. Words that cannot be unsaid and cannot be unheard that have created a barrier in a relationship and that barrier continues on and on and on. He says, you understand that the tongue, man, it can, it can, it can set on course some things that will go on for a very long time, even a lifetime. A lie that gives birth again and again. I said what wasn't true. Now I live in the shadow of that lie and have to work to maintain that lie. He says, your tongue sets on fire the course of your life. For some, it's the inability to say what needs to be said. I cannot say that I'm sorry. I cannot say I forgive you. And so my relationships are defined sometimes for years, if not decades, by words that I couldn't get myself to say. 
We dig a bunker with our own words, and then apart from the intervening grace of God, we spend at times a lifetime living in that bunker. My tongue has the ability to torch my future. And I would add as a caveat, and yet it's your tongue that can undo that and open up your future. Number four, last one. My tongue reveals the real me. He says in verse nine, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both a blessing and a curse. My brethren, he's saying my family, my fellow Christians, it should not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh water and bitter water? Can a fig tree produce olives or a vine produce figs? Can salt water produce fresh water? The answer is no. Here's what he's driving at. What James is suggesting is that there's no such thing as having a moment where I lose control of my tongue, where I can say in response to that, well, that wasn't really me. I was just having a moment. What James is arguing is that when we are squeezed, when we are pushed, when we are pressed, when we are angry or hurt or insecure, what comes out of my mouth when I don't have the strength to keep the filters in place actually reveals what's really in my heart. In my moment of weakness, it's my tongue that shows who I am. Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's not just, again, remember, it's not just about avoiding being a, a source of bitter water. It's about becoming a source of fresh water, a source of life for others, right? And here's the tension. This, to me, is kind of the crazy part of this all. In order to control my mouth, I need a transformed heart. And the pathway to a transformed heart is a controlled mouth, right? It's to reach out to the Lord and say, God, I need you. And here's the blessed part, and this is where we land back on the gospel message. James 4, 6, he gives a greater grace and this is why the scripture says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He comes alongside and partners with. Even in this issue, regardless of your mistakes or what's happened in the past, even on this issue, we have to revisit last Sunday's teaching. There is now no condemnation. Have you screwed it up? Welcome to the club. Congratulations, you're an honorary member. And yet today, before God, there is no condemnation. God is standing with you, looking at that failure, working on it with you, and his grace is sufficient for you. Even if you right now are living in the consequences of your words, we do not stand condemned. There is grace today to start anew, to start afresh. Would you stand with me?
God, I'm so thankful for your, your, your grace that is renewed, your mercies that are renewed. Um, we as a community of faith, I, I realize, I recognize that your word says that we are called to be a source of life-giving words, of grace, of, of, of truth to the world that we live in. And my goodness, even speaking for me, I've done that poorly plenty of times. I have said what I shouldn't have said. I have failed to say what I know that you called me to say. And yet today, we ask for your grace. As we learn to walk in the gift of righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name.